Good morning, good evening, and good day. You're listening to Drama Buds, an anima podcast. So hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Drama Buds. Now, I don't know what other people are saying about 2022 as a K-drama year, but this year is really unique for me and very good. Like, I'm having a much better time in ongoing K-drama land in 2022 than I did in 2021. Because I'm starting to like genres or shows in genres that I never really liked before. I mean, first, we had Business Proposal where I liked an ongoing rom-com. Wow, amazing. And then Through the Darkness, I liked a thriller, me. And now we have Under the Queen's Umbrella, where I can actually say I really like an ongoing sagok. Yes, a, a political, historical show. It's like, huh? When have I ever liked one of those? So, okay, briefly to introduce, Under the Queen's Umbrella is written by a rookie writer, I think, uh, the director of About Time, which I've heard not great things about. And it stars Kim Yesu, who I've seen in Signal, Hyena, Juvenile Justice, and Kim Hesuk, who I've seen in Startup, Inspector Coup, Hospital Playlist. I'm sure I've seen her in more. I-, I can hear your voice. And a bunch of other people. A bunch of like the kings, the court ministers, the princess, a bunch of other people. But these two have the strongest presence in the show. So Under the Queen's Umbrella is about the queen and the concubines in the palace, uh, their power struggles involving their sons and with each other, and what they're willing to do to protect their children and their place in the palace. So I am recording this like three hours before episode 9 comes out. So it only talks about the first eight episodes. I don't know if this will change because by the time I release this, the 10 episodes will be out. But yeah, these are my first impressions on the first eight episodes of Under the Queen's Umbrella. You know, what's good so far? What's kind of meh? What do I think will happen or what do I want to happen? And, you know, the verdict on whether or not I'll continue, I'll commit to finishing, or maybe I'll drop it. So, let's just get it out of the way. Kim Yesu is fantastic. As always, I expected nothing less from her. She knows how to pick her roles, how to pick her projects. Whether or not I actually end up liking the projects doesn't matter. I know she'll slay. I know she will be the most powerful presence in every scene that she's in. And she she knows how to pick her projects. That's all I gotta say. In Under the Queen's Umbrella, she is... A perfect queen. As I said, when she's in the room, she is the most powerful person here. She has the most powerful aura of them all. And the writing of her character of Queen Waryong is even better. Because she is a mother before she's a queen. But she knows how to get her hands dirty. She knows how to play the game when she's finally in a position of power. When she's not just reacting to situations. Because you know how in some plot-driven, very plot-heavy shows, the characters just react to things thrown at them. But they don't really have any agency in it. They're not players in the game. There is a specific show I am talking about, but I won't name it. But if you know, you know. So the queen starts out like that. She's thrown into this new situation. She discovers things and she just has to put out fires and keep her secrets and know who to trust and know who will help her. 
And then when all the cards or most of the cards are on the table, that's when she starts showing that she's capable of scheming just like all the other baddies in the palace. But she will do it genuinely for the good of her sons, not just for power. Because that's probably the unifying theme of this whole show, of all the players in the game, all the characters. That, you know, it's about the love of a mother. Because the love of a mother can be for good or for bad. Of course, for good, we have our protagonist, we have the queen. But for bad, we have the queen dowager and the concubines. They claim that, you know, they do what they do because they love their sons. But you can see malice, you can see greed behind their actions, behind their scheming. But then you also have to ask yourself, is it really just greed if securing your position and securing your power in the palace will let you survive and will also safeguard the the life and the survival of your child? If you really have no choice but to play the game, the way the queen is also playing the game, is it really greedy? I don't know, I don't know. But it just shows that a mother's love, you can twist the narrative around it. But at the core of it, you can say that They're doing what they do because they're mothers who love their children. Now, I am so in love with the queen and with her sons. Like, they genuinely feel like a family, which I don't often feel in Sago, in historical dramas. No joke, I have cried several times in the show because I could feel that this is a family, right? I could feel that they love each other as a mother to her sons, as siblings to one another. I'm serious. I've cried. I have cried over the show. I did not expect. Let's talk about the crown prince and Prince Songnam for a while. Crown prince played by Bae Nyuk, Prince Songnam played by Moon Sangmin. Uh, I love how there is no jealousy, there's no resentment, there's nothing but love between these brothers. Doesn't just apply to these two, by the way. There are five of them. There's uh, the Crown Prince, Prince Songnam, Prince Muan, Prince Kesong, and Prince Ilyong. They all really genuinely love each other. They're playful, they're supportive. They don't compete over, you know, who becomes the crown prince or who becomes the more powerful one or you know, who wants to become king. Like, no, they're having a good time not being paid attention to because, of course, their eldest brother is the crown prince. So as long as he's there, they're all safe. So they're living, they're living the good life, being troublemakers in the palace. And they're honestly the most fun part of the show. More on that later. But yeah, to summarize, nothing but love between these brothers. I just have to emphasize the love between the crown prince and Prince Songnam. I love how Prince Songnam has potential. Like, you can see it in him. He's smart. He's a little brash, you know. He grew up outside the palace for a bit. Like, he's seen the world. He's not as sheltered as all of them. He has potential to be a good crown prince, to be a good king. And that's also partially because he was kind of trained or was he was close to the crown prince. And so he learned with him some of those things. But he finally stepped up to his potential. Because his brother needed him to. And because the family and his brothers needed someone to fill in the shoes of his older brother. So yeah, yeah, you know what's up. You know the spoilers, I'm sure. I'm telling you, episode 5, I'll just spoil it here. Episode 5 really made me sob. Like, I was crying to the point, like, I had to ask myself, alone in my room, why am I crying so hard? It was very, very well done. I felt it a lot. There's more complexity to their whole situation, to their whole relationship. I wish I could do justice to it, but I won't. So I'm just, trust me, their relationship is so beautiful to watch. And another relationship I want to discuss is the one between the queen and Prince Kesong. Because I never, ever, ever thought I would see a storyline about a trans character handled this well in a K-drama and in a sag of all genres. 
to spoil it, the queen discovered that her son has a secret chamber where they cross-dress in private and she had to burn it down because the queen dowager is looking for all the ways that she could destroy the queen and her sons. And of course, Gesong realized that it's not just a simple random fire, it was arson. So when they confronted her about it, you know, instead of telling them to change, instead of her telling her son to change, to just stop it because it's shameful or because it's too dangerous or, or because it's disgusting, like any of those, you know, really, truly deeply painful reasons. Instead, the queen brings them to an artist that paints a portrait of them while they're dressed as a woman. So even if, you know, yeah, their chamber is destroyed, they can't do it because it, you really never know who is watching you, who's following you, who's seeing what you're doing. It's just too dangerous. You can't do it. But at least they have this physical, tangible image of themselves as who they truly are. Like the queen sees that this is who you are, this is who you want to be. And I'm sorry that society is like this. I'm sorry that there are so many limits that you can't just be yourself when you're doing nothing wrong. And her son is aware of that. They are aware of that and that's why they had to hide it in the first place, right? And so instead, if she can't change the world, the least she can do is create a safe space for them while still protecting them from outside eyes like this is i'm sorry that this is the best i can do but at least you know with me you're safe i will protect you and i'm not ashamed of you i accept you as you are and oh my god i cried there episode three end of episode three also cried amazing amazing it's just it's just so unexpected that they tackled it that way and they tackled it so lovingly and so well and End of episode 3 was when the title of the show was truly exemplified under the queen's umbrella. Because for as long as the queen is around, she will protect her children from the rain, from the heat under her umbrella. So it's under the queen's protection. And, you know, tying back to the main theme of the show, that's what all the mothers are doing. They're also all trying to protect their children under their umbrellas. And it's just beautiful. The way everything in the end of episode 3 was done, just so, so, so beautiful. So speaking of the other mothers, the comedy of the show, because remember that it's kind of a dark comedy apparently, the comedy of the show shines when it focuses on the other princess. Okay, to give you the numbers, there are four grand princess, right? The crown prince, the four grand princess, so the sons of the queen, and then four other princess that have names and are prominent and have prominent mothers, and then two or so princes that are kind of in the background. They're like the, the supporting of the supporting. Okay. The best way to describe anything about the humor of the show is that it's cute. It's just, it's very cute. It's very quaint, the, the humor of the show. Maybe it's not realistic or historically accurate that they disregard succession, the line of whatever, the lineage. Yeah, maybe it's not realistic that they have these kind of hunger games or running man games to decide who's the crown prince or whatever. Maybe, maybe. But it's more interesting. It's more fun to watch the princess compete while the mothers are in the palace, you know, secretly sending messengers out and trying to keep each other from going out and communicating with their sons by forcing them to stay in one room, doing 
embroidery or something. Just dumb little things to, to keep the competition as fair as possible, knowing that everyone is trying to play dirty. In a fun way, in a fun way. It's more fun than old men scheming. But I mean, of course, it's unavoidable. More on that later. Another thing that's slightly different in, in Under the Queen's Umbrella from other sagoks, the king is actually intriguing. You know, he's not completely powerless and gullible. He seems to actually have a relationship with the queen. Like he doesn't hate her or resent the fact that, oh, I had to marry you and call you my queen instead of my true love, who is this concubine or something, something. By the way, I have no specific examples in mind. This is just my stereotype, I guess, of saguks. I feel like these are the stories that I would see if I actually watched them. So yeah, I'm not talking about any specific show, okay? So the king here is a bit complex because he was schemed into this position by the queen dowager, right? He wasn't originally the crown prince because he was the son of a concubine. So he's pretty different from the usual kings. And then the queen, she isn't the daughter of a powerful minister. She has basically no connections in the court, right? And so they made her queen probably to make her a more neutral choice, okay? So in that aspect, the king and queen are both unconventional. So the king, he's he's pretty smart. He's capable. He has values. He was chosen as crown prince, uh, through, yeah, the same competition that they're doing now. So he proved himself to be a competent person. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm the son of the queen, so I am the rightful crown prince just by the principle of it. Like, no, he he fought for this position. But, but the fact that the crown prince in his time died, that's the scheming part. But he earned his place as the next crown prince and as the king. So <laughs> he's smart, he's capable, he has values, but he's also susceptible or vulnerable to the manipulations of the court and his mother, the queen dowager. Of course, that's how he ended up here. But episode by episode, he is slowly revealing that he's not powerless, that he doesn't lack will, and that he actually cares about the queen and their sons together. Like, I know he has 10 children, 10 sons, but it's very rare to see a king actually caring about their children when they've had that many children. Major, major spoilers for episode 5. When the crown prince died, a moment that really got to me was when the king waited outside the queen's chambers every night to make sure that she ate and that she slept. You know, knowing that she was grieving, that she's probably not taking care of herself, and that she was very closely involved in her own son's death. That she couldn't prevent it no matter how hard she tried. So he couldn't really approach her because that was still a touchy issue, but he was there just to make sure that she was okay. Bare minimum, I know, but you'd be surprised <laughs> at how men in this era or in Sagoks do not even meet the bare minimum. Okay. And then another beautiful moment was when she asked him, like, why aren't you punishing me for hiding that the crown prince was sick? And he said, you've been punished enough. Basically implying that you've lost your son. That's, that's the ultimate punishment. That's it. And then she also showed her consoling him, right? Because essentially he's lost his son too. And no one ever highlights the grief that a father also experiences when they lose their child. I, mm, that really got to me also. Like, oh, there's, there's some mutual respect and understanding here. Oh, you're actually parents to children, not just king and queen. Hmm, interesting. In this whole show, there's something 
very modern about it. And it doesn't focus as much on old bearded men and skeeving as much as I expected. I think that's what gets me about the show. The last sagok I enjoyed was My Country, The New Age. That was, what, February? <laughs> that was ages ago. And yeah, Under the Queen's Umbrella has a very different vibe from what I expect from sagoks. Right? And it has some modern touches and discusses modern issues in a way. Like, of course, they have an implied transgender character. I'm assuming that they're implying Gyesong is trans because in that specific scene, the, uh, their robes were like the colors of the trans pride flag. So I'm going to use my two brain cells. I'm going to connect those dots and say like, maybe that's probably what they're implying. Uh, what else? The show tried to discuss the COVID pandemic response on a local level. Like, oh, this local village had this very infectious disease and you had to lock it down. And all we can do is give them support. So what should we do if the people inside are dying, the doctors inside are dying? Those kinds of issues. They tried to discuss it a little tongue-in-cheek way. I like it. I appreciate it. It has cute visual gags at times. There was this one scene in episode 2 where it looked like the queen was video calling with their sons, even if they're all in one room. Because that's just the general vibe of it, of getting into an argument with your children on video call. That's what that scene felt like. Unnecessary, but cute. I don't mind it. Once again, not historically accurate. This show isn't even based on any historical figure I think. It's not very traditional. Yeah, and I like that. It, it feels more interesting to someone like me who isn't well-versed in the genre. So I wouldn't really know what they're doing wrong or what's very historically inaccurate about it. Yeah, maybe to those that are more familiar with sagoks, with how things were in those time periods. Yeah, maybe you'd be more bothered by these things. Like, why does no one take the line of succession seriously? Why do, do they talk like it's so easy to depose the queen or depose the crown prince like why, why do they talk like that uh if that's an issue yeah you probably know more than me but ignorance is bliss i'm enjoying it So let's move on to the more negative aspects of the show. Uh, as with all other sagoks set in a palace, there are a lot of politics involved that just fly above my head. I just simply don't care. They can be scheming, talking about their past, talking about their plans. I don't care. I'll figure it out when they do something about it. But if you're just talking to each other, I don't care. You know, on the bright side, this show is not as heavy on the old bearded men as other sagoks are. But really, every time it involves them, I just tune it out. I'll figure it out later. The show says that it's a dark comedy. Um, it's more dark than it is comedic. Yeah, and at times, the comedy feels out of place, right? Because you've been scheming and you've been dealing with tragedy after tragedy for so long. And then suddenly, there's this cute funny moment but i mean it's cute it's funny <laughs> and especially if it involves the grand prince i'm thankful for it because i want to see more of them it provides a necessary break from the politics and the scheming and the plot honestly the show is moving so fast i thought they would dwell on the first competition on who would study with the crown prince more but then in the span of two episodes it's done i thought they would focus more on this trial against the queen or something but okay that's done we're moving on to the next competition of who's gonna be the crown prince like, like i did not expect we would go so far so quickly but 
okay, I don't know if it will inevitably slow down and drag like all other political shows or sagoks do. But yeah, we'll see. Also, Loki Haiki do not care about the romance that they're building between Songnam and the daughter of the Minister of War or something. But then they're probably gonna spin it to make it like a political arrangement so that Songnam has a political backer as well. Because right now he's really surviving by his skills. So yeah, maybe this will give him a political edge the way Lee Song has a uh, political backer or uh, Bogum has the Queen Dowager as his backer. Probably. That's probably what's gonna happen. We'll see. We'll see. Pretty much that's it. Yeah, look at how short this segment is. Okay, everything that's negative about this is kind of what I expected from Asago. Right? As someone who's not a fan of the genre, I've only watched, what, four or five of them. And the ones I ended up liking were the less traditional ones, like My Country, The New Age. So, not a fan of the genre. And it's evident in the fact that the things I like the least about the show are the most traditional aspects of it. But there's genuinely so much I enjoy about it. I'm invested in the characters. And I can't predict what will happen next at all. But it's not because it's gone full makjang, or it's jumped the shark, or it's just gone so crazy that I can't keep up with it. It's more like, I, I just don't know what will happen next. I didn't even think we'd end up here at this point, at this point in the show. I'm not good enough to write this for the writers. They're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. Verdict is obviously, I'm finishing it. Well, I, I'll commit. I'll finish it. Because the story keeps moving even when I expect it not to. I'm, I'm invested. I will definitely, definitely keep watching and looking forward to how things turn out. that's it for me today i'm really happy that i'm enjoying this i have enjoyed a wider variety of dramas this year and i'm hopeful for the rest of the show like it's also doing really well in ratings i'm very happy for them this is my queen kim yesu always respect her always admire her she's doing amazing the princes are adorable i'm having a good time i don't really need to pay attention to every single moment of the show it is what it is we take what we can take and so far so good yeah that's it for me today thank you so much for listening and i will see you soon thanks for tuning in feel free to leave a comment like subscribe follow and tell me what you thought about today's episode see you soon